1: We're on location in Las Vegas at Shelby American with my guest Gary Patterson. He's president of Shelby American, the company responsible for the Cobra, Shelby Mustang, and Ford GT40 cars to change the face of auto racing in the 60s. Shelby American today manufactures and markets performance vehicles and related accessories, but there's much more, including the Shelby Heritage Center with free guided tours. For everything about Shelby American, go to shelby.com. And Gary, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, thanks, Ira. How are you doing today? Good. I th- I'm delighted that, and people
1: should know, that Shelby's the first auto company in Nevada.
0: Yeah, as far as I know, I don't know how back far back in history. When it first we're, started We're here. certainly <laughs> the, the only ones right now that uh, that are making it all happen, and we're excited to be here, and uh, Nevada's a great place.
1: Talk a little bit about Carroll Shelby, and then I want to talk a little bit about you and your involvement with the company, because you you've been with the company a long time yeah almost 23 years yeah so uh from the ground up so to speak or from the engine back
0: yeah so you know i mean i started you know back when we were just getting going with the uh continuation cobra program in 1996 and um uh, once we got that going people were like well you know if you're carol shelby and carol was still around back then what if you could build a ground up sports car so we did the shelby series ones uh, 1999 was officially the model year but uh you know we we did those and it was really the only ground up shelby we ever did with Carroll around and all carbon fiber body honeycomb aluminum chassis push rod style suspension it was way ahead of its time you know still had some uh you know teething issues and stuff like that with the car but it was it was fabulous you know, and, and once the car, you know, you got it out there and you drove it on the track and things like that, people found out it was a whole lot more car than, than what they had thought about or heard rumors of. And because the the chassis and stuff was was fabulous. But, you know, and then we got into, um, you know, a lot of stuff when we got going with the Mustang programs again with the Hertz rental car program in, in 2006, and uh, Shelby GT program in 2007 and 8, and the KR program in 8 and 9. And, uh, you know, we do Shelby GTs, Shelby GTHs now. We've done the more programs with Hertz. We've got a, uh, a new rental car program now with 6th rental car company with a supercharged rental car we can talk about all that in detail we got into trucks uh carol did uh, performance pickups in 1989 a lot of people don't remember that but it was really the first of the performance pickups uh we started really doing those probably six seven years ago uh really strong last five years uh shelby f-150 raised version lowered version shelby raptor trucks are actually the biggest part of our business right now and then we have our performance parts business and so forth so i mean uh there's a lot going on at shelby we still do heritage vehicles. We talked about the continuation Cobras earlier, but we still do GT40s and Daytona Coupes, and we do a continuation version of the uh, the Super Snake that we did in 67 on a 67 body, 68 KR, uh, both a, a coupe and a fastback, and, I mean a fastback and a, a convertible. So I mean, there's just all kinds of stuff going on at Shelby right now, and it's, uh, it's the best of times.
1: And the interesting part about Shelby is that if you come down here, because we're here at, at your place. I say place, it's a little bit more than a place, yeah. but there's so much going on. And I don't think people, because they tend to get distracted by everything else in Las Vegas, don't get a sense of what is actually here. Can you walk us through in the sense of if you, you walk in the front door and first of all, there's of course the merchandise, which is always important right. <laughs> for people.
0: Right. And you know, the, the cool thing is, and we're seeing this more and more, you know, you go to shows and events and, uh, or you're. You're in the airport. You see it everywhere now. Uh, people are wearing Shelby gear, so you know hats and shirts and different backpacks or luggage or uh, all kinds of things with the Shelby brand on it. So that's really good, and and the team has done a great job of developing that merchandise and uh, you know so accessories for cars. And I things think I like heard that. a Shelby and,
1: just go by right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> that could happen. We do a little testing once yes. in a while, you know, performance. Tunes I think our audience probably like heard that. it if they did. Uh, pretty good. You know, the cool thing is you've got all that stuff right in the Heritage Center. And so whether you own one or not, or whether you aspire to own one, you can walk away with Shelby Gear, just like Harley-Davidson and Ferrari and all those kind of things. And so we're we're seeing a lot of that. And so the the, uh, the mix of merchandise there is fabulous. And you can buy books and models and things that were, you know, signed in the day. Those are very expensive because they're very limited because, you know, Carol passed away six years ago. But, but if you look at... Um, you know, they've got a way to do this auto pen thing where they, um, you can send it away and they actually do a script that was his signature, but now it's electronically duplicated. Those similar to what presidents things. do. Yeah, similar to what head. presidents yeah. do. So so all that's out there and available and it's exciting and you can just get a whole host of things in the, in there. But you also have the opportunity to take a, a guided public tour uh, Monday through Friday at uh, 1030 and 130 and it's free. Uh, so we offer that, and uh, it takes you through the the Heritage Center. It talks to you a little bit about um, Carroll Shelby and his history and where he started, and and uh, you know what got him you know some fame and so forth. And then uh, you know the the transition from racing cars to actually manufacturing cars and being a team leader for Ford Motor Company, which helped them win the. Uh, championship at uh, Le Mans in 1966 and taking Ferrari off the podium, which was really, really cool. And it was a big accomplishment. And so we talk about all those kind of things. Uh, we have examples of a lot of those vehicles in the Heritage Center. And then we walk you through that right on into the timeline where we're building uh, cars and trucks today. And uh, yeah,
1: that's pretty impressive. I, you, you don't realize until you go in and look at the expanse of that area where all the mechanics are working on stuff.
0: Yeah, and the nice thing is, even without the guided tour, there's three very large windows that you can look through those windows and actually see cars being produced. Now, we, we I will tell you that, uh, especially in the summertime, we're working 410s, guys come in at 4 in the morning and are leaving by 230. Because of the so heat. Because of the heat. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're really doing that. I think today's uh, forecast is like 114. So it's uh, it's toasty out there. But <laughs> we have swamp coolers and stuff like that. We try to get the guys in and out, make a, a comfortable working environment for them. But but you can actually see that whether you're part of that guided tour or not. Then the guided tour does actually take you out into the factory just just right at the entrance and pony wall and you can kind of see um, there's a, probably a, a good run of, I don't know, maybe 50 yards where you can go out there and you can actually put your name on the wall and, you know, sign the wall and say, I was here, uh, which is kind of cool. Do you
1: use a grease pen?
0: Uh, we use a uh, typically just a, a felt marker like a sharpie. Grease, because it was a well, you like grease, and I'm sure it's yeah, it gets you know, like messy. So we don't want that. Okay, but uh, we have thousands and thousands of those signatures out there already. So yeah, I mean that's kind of. Uh the the quick five thousand foot uh, version of what you see when you you know get in here and so you, forth. You forgot one little item. Those, what what's those the one cars little... that are there? Well, the cars that are there are yeah. very important. But we did the the heritage cars that we showed, and we've got examples of those. We have the the original sixty seven Super Snake on display right now, just sold for a couple million bucks. At an auction, that uh, my
1: wife Gina looked at some of those wonderful cars and wanted to buy one, and
0: there's no price, and I, we figured we that, still accept cash. You do, okay, yeah, good to know. All right, so
1: people come in know. when you come by. Take a look at those cars.
0: Yeah, but, but so we've got the old ones, <laughs> right. we've got the the historic ones, and we've got the newer ones, and you can buy some of those too. The some of the stuff that we have for sale. Immediately for sale within our showroom were old company concepts and prototypes and things like that. So oftentimes they carry a little higher price, but uh, you know you buy primarily the cars and trucks through the dealer network now that we have established with Ford Motor Company and and we have our own like little dealer network. So now that relationship
1: uh, with cool. Ford goes back to the beginning. Well, yeah, doesn't by it?
0: 1962. Right, so, and I
1: want to get into that in our second part, but just a little bit more about about your role in the company because you've been here so long. That's not to say that you're you know, 102 years old, but the point not is quite. you've had the experience with the company. So you had an opportunity to really see it from the ground up. Carol's influence on the company is still felt on a daily basis, is it not? Oh, absolutely. Tell us a little bit about his history and then the influence of him on the company.
0: You know, I think uh, the, the really cool thing about this is Carol Shelby was a car person. He loved cars from the time he was a kid. His dad had him out driving. uh, uh, I think he had a Dodge, and and the first time Carol got the keys to himself uh, on his own, he came back with a speeding ticket for over eighty miles an hour in a much you know slower uh, speed zone. And uh, so then his driving privileges were taken away. He wasn't driving for a period of time. The farm tractor, was he? At that Uh, speed, I'm sure he drove a lot of things. But no, this was actually a sedan. So, but Carol, Carol loved cars, and. And then he got to racing them, and uh, he found that he was quite good at it. And that led to more and more rides, and eventually traveling all over the world to race cars. And uh, he w- raced for Austin Martin and and uh, you know various different brands. MG he won his first race in MG, but then you know he had a heart problem, and his life would uh, life would have it. You know, um, sometimes you get a few curveballs that you weren't. Uh, expecting and so in 1960 carol shelby is driving with nitro pills under his tongue just to stay alive in the races and uh, he used to say well it just knocks your head off for about two laps <laughs> you go a little slower and then it, you know and then you can you know you got your heart back so you can kind of you can pick up the pace again but the doctor said you know this is just not in your best interest or anybody else to continue this uh racing thing so in 1960, uh, the, the doctor gave him that news as well as a, a timeline which where he said you might have five years to live. Okay, So he got some really bad news in 1960 that uh, his, his days were numbered and they were limited. And uh, most likely he'd live five years and he lived 52 more. So clearly the but, doctor was wrong. Clearly, the doctor was not only wrong, but he outlived most of them. So that's that's your greatest revenge is is, uh, actually just outlive them. Uh, But but what that did, too, though, is Carol lived his whole life chips all in because he didn't think he had very long. And, uh, you know, so then if he couldn't race them, he thought if he could build them. And so that's really where he got connected. Uh, and I'll make a longer story a little short. But he got connected with uh, Ford Motor Company, and they supplied, you know, some engineering and some engines and stuff like that. And then they they had a lot of engineering that was done in house. And Carol had a a great knack for uh, attracting people that uh, were really good experts in the field or also motivating the common man to do extraordinary things. And Carroll was very good at those kind of things and putting the right team together. So he had the, you know, Ken Miles and Phil Remington and all these guys that could do incredible things and, and uh, so forth. And he's the only man to this day that won championships as a driver, as a manufacturer, and as a team leader. The only single man. Did in he the world. know
1: that his legacy would continue? He did once he, once he left.
0: Yeah. So Carol put people in place, you know, such as myself and Vince and so forth. So now you got people, we're car people running a car company. So kind of look at How it unusual. that How unusual. So which is unusual. <laughs> so, but the cool thing is, is I'm a huge car enthusiast and a performance enthusiast all along, and uh, Carol knew that too. And I worked with Carol for 16 years while he was alive. Um, So, you know, I certainly know what it's like to sit in the conference room with him and discuss about current product, future products and so forth. But Carroll was a visionary and he could see the future. I mean, he was doing performance pickups in 1989. I mean, who does that? Right. And, you know, Carroll was a remarkable man in that um, he was he was always on to the next thing. And when you think about it, that's good. But he had a team behind him, but he had a to, team to keep him, it to do the, all
1: those. Things. Right. In other words, as he went on to the next thing, the team would also take care of what was going on currently and, and working to, with them on the future as yeah, well. Yeah, you
0: have to. So okay. you have to, you know, design and, you know, manufacture and ship the current stuff while concurrently thinking about what's coming next. And Carol, we used to bring Carol in the in the office or in the museum and we'd say, Carol, you know, What's your favorite? Because that was always great, right? What's your favorite? You've done, you know, you've won these world championships. You've uh, built the Cobra, and there, there it sat, you know, for years when he was still alive. The first Cobra ever built sat right here. And, uh, you know, we had uh, all kinds of other things that that he was heavily involved with. And, you know, the GT350s in, in the 60s won championships in B production, you know, for years, years and years in a row. And... Then the Shelby GT in 2007, 8, and 9. People don't remember this, they don't think about it, but it, it won F stock SCCA championships as well. So there's an older car, there's a newer car, there's the uh, Shelby Super Snakes. Okay? So we had those whole things going on. And you got cars with you know, 800 horsepower, we had cars with 1,000 horsepower. And you'd say, Carol, what's your favorite? And he'd look around and he'd say, the next one. And when you think about it, in life, that's the right answer. Whether you're talking about cars or trucks or things in general, what's your favorite? If you're not working on what's next, if you're not looking out the windshield and you're stuck in the rearview mirror, you've lost it. If you're driving in the rearview mirror, you got a problem. If you're looking out the windshield, that's your future. And that's what we do when we take Carol's mantra of, I'm Carol Shelby and performance is my business, and that's what he said in the 60s. We say, We're Shelby American and performance is our business. And we don't define that by a particular powertrain, by a particular, you know, it has to be a Mustang or a Cobra. That's why we recently expanded into trucks in the last. You know, I noticed one of the trucks out there. It was just awesome. And yeah. that represents now 75 to 80% of our business is now Amazing. trucks. But if you look at America, what's going on in America? Our, you know, cars are shrinking. Trucks are big. So... And it makes a lot of sense because you can use a truck year-round. If you got a, if you're a successful business person, you can write that truck off as part of your business expense. And mm-hmm. you know, let alone the fact it's really cool, yeah, right? And is. it's it gives you a you know a serviceability thing. And people use it as a as a family car. Whereas you know years ago, a truck was oh, only yeah. something Hauling. used on a
1: farm. Yeah, you you haul right? you haul stuff.
0: You hauled stuff. Or you you hauled stuff. Hauled and by the way, they were not comfortable. And they had No creature <laughs> comforts. It didn't have a radio a lot of right. times, and you had roll up windows you know. get that out of your mind because yeah. the, the, you know, the best of times in the good old days are today so when we look at Shelby American today we're doing the vintage and the heritage vehicles but our primary focus and what really rings the bell is trucks and cars with performance that was nothing like it was in the 60s so it's, it's awesome let's take a break my guest Gary
1: Patterson he's president of Shelby American based right here in Las Vegas They manufacture and market performance vehicles and related accessories. Much more to the company, including Shelby Heritage Center with free guided tours. For everything about Shelby American, go to Shelby.com. We'll be right back.
0: We'll be back with more Talk About Las Vegas with Ira in just a moment. You think you know Vegas? But how much
1: do you really know about this neon city? See the dark side of the bright lights at the Mob Museum where you can explore how a tough little town transformed into a gaming metropolis with a little help from organized crime. You won't find these stories of lawbreakers and law enforcement, mob bosses and prosecutors anywhere else. The Mob Museum in downtown Las Vegas. More information at themobmuseum.org.
0: Now, let's get back to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira.
1: Welcome back. I'm talking with Gary Patterson. He's president of Shelby American, the company responsible for the Cobra, the Shelby Mustang and Ford GT40 cars that changed the face of auto racing in the 60s. But they're looking to the future. As he said in the first part, you're looking at the next project, always looking at the next project. So for everything about Shelby American, go to Shelby. And you were talking about the influence, Gary, of Shelby and how it still permeates the company. You've been with the company a long time, and clearly your influence also permeates the building and the company. You had an opportunity, you mentioned that you were working a lot with Shelby at the early stages, with Carol at the early stages. And you were mentioning how you were working with Carol while you had started with the company, and you had an opportunity to spend several years in the conference rooms and getting the sense of the man as well. How do you maintain the legacy and as you say look to the next project keeping in mind what he was as a man and as a visionary?
0: How do you do that as president? So, I know I, it's an esoteric question. No, but I think it's a great question. So, what we do is is really focus on people. Okay? We have to build the cars and trucks and performance machines that the people want. So, You know, we look to our current owners. We look to past owners. We look to people that, you know, are aspiring to get into a Shelby. So, and we talk to our people that help build them. We talk to vendors and suppliers and things like that. Other car enthusiasts. The cool thing is we're car enthusiasts. So we listen. We got two ears, one mouth. Maybe we should use those ears. And Carol did that too. What do you you want? And we build what they want. You know, what they tell us is, you know, we want a truck that's high performance. So we build a truck with high performance. And we want, you know, what are the key product attributes within that that they want? And if we're smart, we listen. And sometimes we have to tailor that to what's reasonable. You know, uh, people always want something that's really, really cool. But then they find out there's a price tag to go with it. So there's always a balance and then it's also, you know, manufacturing. So small niche manufacturing, has its own challenges and the amount of money that you can put into tooling for any particular thing is also limited.
1: Because you're not doing volume. So the cost per correct item is, is so yeah,
0: so I can't afford tooling and in in engineering and those kind of things as if we're building hundreds of thousands of units, I got to be able to justify it within hundreds of units. But that's also what makes the product unique and very special. And if you go to uh, the resale market at all, if you go to public car auctions, okay, that's what sets Shelby apart. And if you look at the top ten sales on any major auction, there's a Shelby in there somewhere, if not dominating five out of the ten spots. So the, the Shelbys keep their value because it's not something the common guy has, you know. And there's there's no picture of a Camry on somebody's wall, right? It's, uh, Other than mine, it's no, not I'll... on yours. But you know, I, I don't know about you, but you know, I look in kids' rooms today, right. and I look in my room. I remember what that was like, you know, back when I was uh, a youngster. And you know, there's a there's a 427 Cobra and there's a pinup girl, right? So that was me. Okay, yours might have been different, but but that was me. But I think largely today, those kind of things are still the same. And you know, I don't want to take anything away from the gals because my wife owned a sixty-eight GT five hundred KR before I ever met her. See. Okay? And she's a performance lady. And so we we're very careful to make sure that we produce cars and so forth that the ladies like too. Okay? But performance is our business. So if the lady likes performance, we do it. Okay. And then most, we do the same do thing else, with no. the uh with the the, the showroom and the, the merchandise and so forth. Yeah, most of our customers are men, but that doesn't mean that they're all men. And there's some really, really cool gals. And like I say, my wife is just on the gas it hard. Makes for
1: a compatible marriage, doesn't it?
0: It does. Yes. It does. And she is wonderful on many levels, but that was clearly one that, that we shared. Which <laughs> that was, sealed the deal. Which was great. That was great. Well, it actually is what got us started. Oh, there you and go. And then okay. we, I found out a whole lot more about her that was right. just a perfect match for me. Yeah. But but enough of that. I mean, I think that... Uh, I don't know, know. That
1: was pretty good.
0: Yeah. But, but if you talk about... But if you talk about what people want, and you build what people want, and the legacy, people say, well, what happened? You know, Carroll Shelby died. What are you guys going to do? It's pretty simple. He put the key people in place, even when he was around, that would carry that legacy forward. Aaron Shelby is Carroll's grandson. He's also on the board of directors. Oh, by the way, he's a huge performance enthusiast. He and his dad, Pat, and his brothers, they all own Shelby cars, both past and present. So they have... Brand new GT350s that they bought. Okay, they also have vintage Cobras. They have the MG that carol won his first race with. Those kind of things are all part of it. So you've got the family is behind it. Aaron Shelby and I go to Ford Motor Company on a regular basis, and we talk to them about future products and so forth. We're on a non-disclosure agreement with them, so we can't talk about some of those things. However, they're involving us in their future. Um, product plans so that we know what the future is coming with. So that now we can say, okay, what should we be looking at? What should we be testing? What should we be doing to make sure this legacy continues from a corporate standpoint and then talk to people and find out what they want. Okay. And that's, what's cool too. And then we go out and we build those things and we test those things and we go over to the racetrack and we break stuff. Okay. And we don't break it on purpose, but we run it as hard as we know how. Testing the tolerance. Testing it. And then when stuff breaks, we fix it. So we're not just a company that puts on stickers and scoops. Understood. We go out there and we say, okay, well, when you add 400 horses or 300 horses to a car, There's other things that are related to that other than just putting the power to it. So the half shafts and the wheel studs and all those kind of things, sometimes, depending on the power level, those things have to change too. And we know that because we test it. You mentioned the
1: market in terms of men and women. What about from the point of view of globally? Do you get a lot of people from Europe and Asia and other continents
0: looking to buy Shelby's. Absolutely. So the cool thing about Shelby is Carol, because he won championships all over the world, he is known all over the world as a driver, as a manufacturer. Okay. Yeah. The team leader thing was a piece of it as well, but, but those are the things. So they, they knew Carol Shelby as a driver and there's some of that. They knew him as a manufacturer because of the Cobra, but they also know that Shelby's out there in a big way with new product, okay whether it 's licensed by Ford Motor Company and they build it at the Flat Rock assembly plant for the cars and the different truck plans for the trucks, um, we have an influence there. we make sure that all those kind of things fit the brand and does and then we have other things that we do um, you know separately that we actually design and build here so we don 't just use other people's stuff and put it on a car typically uh, we do some of that, but uh, we also test it and validate it and so forth but we also you know, design our own front fascia and our own hood and our own wide body and those kind of things. Uh, and then we may have it manufactured somewhere else, because it really makes sense which you 're going to do it on a repetitive basis on volume but we 've got car people run a car company, and the legacy be- continues because of of the people that work here, the enthusiasts that uh, that buy our our products or the people that aspire to buy our products I mean I was talking to younger people uh, over the last couple of events that I went to this summer in Minnesota and uh, Michigan and and uh, Pennsylvania most recently this wa- last week. And I'm like, what do you guys like? You know, what are you looking for? You know, what do you think is cool? What do you think isn't, you know, what's, uh, what's important you? had to your ears you? open, right? Yeah, you got to listen to these yeah. people. You know, and like to find out what's in his head. Yeah, right? <laughs> that's a good he's, point. He's a little younger than <laughs> yeah, we we're, are. We're maybe. talking about Tegan. Yes, right? our Teagan. videographer. Tegan's a little younger. But, you know, we got to listen to those people and we say, okay. And then we got to help educate them as well because... What they may think works is not practical, but they can also teach us things, too. Um, we learn a lot of the, from them about uh, social media and technology and stuff like that. I'm still a guy that's looking for the dial on my phone. And, uh, you know, if... if uh, yeah, it doesn't require a cord anymore. If I can't make it work, I find somebody that's his age and I go here, fix this.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right.
0: I don't want to read the manual; I just want it fixed. Right. So, so I know my limitations. I know what I'm good at and what I'm not. Okay. So, so I'm, you know, I get that. But we we have to listen, and the legacy is going to continue because of of the people and what they want and what they like and so forth. And we better deliver on that. Promise. And there's a movie I guess coming out. There's a, a movie that's coming out. Are you guys involved with the movie? No. Nah, well? not licensing? too much. Okay. But and what I'll tell you about the movie is I think it's fabulous. I think it's, I've seen the, the the promotional trailer, you know, that that goes on and so forth. If you think it's 100% accurate, it's not. Okay? If you think of it as entertainment and the fact that the majority of the storyline is accurate Okay, that's pretty cool stuff. And it will go a long way, I think, to educating a whole new generation of people that may go to the movie theater, like this Tegan's age, right? And they'll find out more of who Carol Shelby was and a little bit about what his personality was like. Okay. by going to the movie and seeing that stuff. You know, if you look at technically what the car is exactly in the movie, yeah, you well, can take that apart. But you know stuff. what, if you look at if you look at the storyline and really the passion that's behind it and the fact that there was this this war between Ferrari and Ford and how does that pan out? And oh by the way, we do win. Um That's pretty cool, too. And then, you know, there's also a legacy thing there. Ford came back 50 years later with the Ford GT and won again. Yeah,
1: it's quite a story. 1966,
0: 2016, went back and won again. So that's pretty cool from the Ford perspective too. But but it was it was Ford Motor Company, it was Henry Ford the second in a very unique period of time in the sixties. And how did that play out? And so then you take a look at that that passion and so forth for Shelby American and this company and Ford Motor Company and, you know, David and Goliath kind of thing, right? It's a it's a pretty cool story.
1: It is. So but we're excited. Last question. Do you know the reason why Shelby decided to base themselves or locate themselves in Nevada, Las yeah. Vegas. Yeah,
0: so so Nevada made a lot of sense. Carroll was primarily you know, located in California, which wasn't as business friendly uh, with the taxes and so forth as it was in Nevada. And the other piece of it was back in the uh, mid-90s, um, there was a plan in Las Vegas to build a big motor speedway. And Carol always dreamed of having his factory right back at the Speedway when we were doing a lot of R&D and so forth. And back then, that was pretty cool. And we did that. Uh, we had our factory located at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway for many years, from actually from 1998 to uh, November of 13. Not that I would know because I lived it. Um, <laughs> but we were located there. But then the business changed. And when the business changed, it was more important for us to have our facility, a larger facility, all in one box, except for storage, in a location that was much closer to the strip. Okay, so now it's close to where the people are and close to that. It makes it convenient. Otherwise, they thought we were, you know, two states away. So but but, really, it was a business decision to come from California to here and from Texas to here. And it really Nevada makes a lot of sense.
1: Well, that's a great way to end it. My guest has been Gary Patterson president of shelby american based right here as we said in las vegas there's so much to the company including the shelby heritage center and of course the foundation which we didn't touch on but you can look it up on their website so for everything about shelby american go to shelby.com and gary thanks for being on the show
0: hey thanks ira it's been a pleasure appreciate it see you next time you've been listening to talk about las vegas with ira each week Ivor David Sternberg talks with the celebrities entertainers writers and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world I'll be